Hey everyone, welcome back to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. This, like every episode of Going Deep, is brought to you by Audible, the biggest repository of audiobooks that you can access. Head over to audibletrial.com slash Aaron to get a free month and audiobook on the house and start reading and consuming more books this year with Audible. My guest today is Graham Hill. You may know him from the documentary Minimalism on Netflix or perhaps from his TED Talk and New York Times op-eds where he talks about minimal living in smaller spaces. Uh, minimalism is a really big concept, applies to a lot of different facets of your life. But Graham is particularly focused in the spaces that we live in and how to make those more effective and efficient. It was a really fun 20-minute conversation that I think you're going to get a lot from, particularly if minimalism is a new concept for you. So here is my conversation with Graham Hill. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. So Graham, welcome to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I've uh, I've gotten obsessed with minimalism here the last two years or so, and it just makes so much sense both on a financial level, a psychological level, uh, an environmental level, but this isn't about me, this is about you. And I am curious, when you got interested in the concept of doing more with less, uh, so can you maybe tell me the story of just how you first got interested in the concept, found out about it, and decided to uh, make some moves regarding minimalism? Sure. Well, I mean, you, you did nail it. <laughs> up front it really is financial psychological environmental um I, I, it was probably a long time coming i, I mean i think a, a, a thread that goes through my work is is just efficiency i just I, and efficiency has such a can uh, in a way a boring or negative sort of connotation in some ways but i, I think i just i really like efficiency i think efficiency is actually a really beautiful beautiful thing and so I think part of my sort of personality, I think, comes from there. Um, but I really got into it um, initially because of environmentalism, and and it really, it really started from going from a. Um, I, I wrote a, an op-ed in the Times a few years ago that that lays this out quite nicely. But you know, in, in short, I um, I came from a middle class family, and um, I ended up at a very early age building a company with my cousin Tish Hill in Seattle that built websites and sold it, and so made a bunch of money. And so I did what people normally do when they have money, which is you know start spending it. And so I ended up with a big house and a fast car, and I had a bunch of roommates, so I still did it a little differently, but. You know, just lots of stuff, and then I moved to New York, and then I had a big loft and sort of a similar similar situation, and and basically I met this uh, wonderful woman named Olga Susplugas, fell in love, and uh, she she left, she moved back to Spain, and so I had to go, I had, I followed her, and we ended up uh, at that time sort of started Tree Hugger um, remotely, and we just lived in a really small apartment um, in Barcelona, and I lived, I started Tree Hugger out of the back little bedroom. And we realized at a certain point, I sort of lured her into working for Tree Hugger, that, that we really, we could move around and uh, we could do what we were doing um, el elsewhere and have a really good time. And so we did. So we lived in 
Bangkok uh, for like five months, Barcelona for three or four months, Toronto for a while for a visa, uh, New York, we spent some time in India, and we did a lot of traveling around in addition to all that. And and we, what we realized was that really all you needed was a couple bags. You could live a very comfortable, productive, happy, cost-effective life with just a couple of bags, you know, pretty much carry-on. And, you know, one bag for your, your generally for your um, possessions and one, one for your sort of more office-oriented stuff. And, and then so we came back to New York. We just moved into a 350-square-foot place. And, and, you know, it's one of the, my favorite places I've ever lived. We had such a lovely time there. And so um, that was sort of the beginning. And then I was in my late 30s and I ended up selling Triugger. So I sold a couple of companies. So I had some money. Um, seven years of design school, so I had a real sense for design, but I was still largely living like a student. <laughs> and so in, in that I hadn't really designed my apartment, I just would never, I'd always, my focus was also always elsewhere. And so when I set about to do my apartment, I wanted to do two things. One, just have a nice apartment, um, the, like the designer friends that I had that I envied. And two, I wanted to do... You know, I, I, I lived a fairly green life, but I really wanted to experiment and pushing that forward with my own my own place. And so those were the main objectives. And we've been writing on Triagger for a while about how small living just made sense. And one of the easiest ways to go green is just to reduce the cubic feet um, of your dwelling. And so the idea there is that every cubic foot that you add to a dwelling is one that you have to make out of materials, is one that you have to fill full of stuff, is one that you have to light and heat and cool and clean and insure and repair and worry about blah, blah, blah. So a lot came with each of those cubic, uh, cubic feet. And so uh, we were very interested in sort of seeing how we could take a small place and make it function like a large place. And so that's what we did. And I, I ran a, a design contest. I crowdsourced it, which was very early days for that. Not a lot had happened. This was back in like 2009, 2010 kind of thing. And basically we got 300 entries. This was on Juvoto, a site uh, out of Berlin. Uh, we got 300 entries from around the world. with Some amazing ideas. And uh, the ones we picked uh, were these fellows from uh, Romania, from Bucharest. And so I ended up hiring one of them, um, Catalin, um, and a friend of his, Andre, uh, later on. And we basically built out we built out uh, the initial scheme, and it just it just uh, worked out tremendously well. And so that's the apartment that's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of play. I gave my TED talk on it, um, and it's basically a 420 square foot apartment that can have uh, 10 or 12 for dinner, can have guests over, has a great home office. And so you can just has a functionality of an apartment probably at least twice the size. And so, and then I've I've lived in it, and then subsequently I did another one. Sort of I sold that one and I moved upstairs. And so the long and short of it is, we believe that if we apply smart design, technology, and some behavior change, that we can create really smaller, really compelling lives. Uh, and these lives are going to make you happier because your life is simpler, um, less complicated. Um, it's going to save you some money and it's going to reduce your footprint. And so um, that's the long story of how I got here.
Yeah, it was so cool watching the video because you just saw these different kind of compartments opening up, replacing uh, different spaces with different equipment. And the creativity required to, like you said, utilize 420 square feet of space for, you know, basically create five different types of rooms for the house. And I, I think the I think the commercial said, you know, over a thousand feet of actual functional space is really just interesting concept. And what I was really excited to speak with you about today was also the idea of these kind of different scripts uh, that people use to maybe define success or define making it. Because, you know, as a fellow practitioner of minimalism, appreciator of that concept, there's a little bit of preaching to the choir that's going on right now. And in other, you know, parts of culture and society, many parts, there is still a celebration of kind of more, more, more and being defined, success defined as, you know, the bigger house, like all the things you said, the bigger house, the newer car, all the stuff. So I'm I'm curious about uh, less so when you're having the conversations with, you know, another person who subscribes to minimalism but actually when you're having conversations at the edges when you run into someone who isn't familiar or or doesn't maybe really understand what you're doing what do those conversations look like and how do you go about I don't know if you're like always kind of actively pitching the idea and trying to convince and get more people on board or if you kind of acknowledge that for some people it just isn't for them how do you how do you process that well, I mean, I try to not be too preachy, and, and it's different strokes for different folks. You know, this is, I believe that this can work for many of us, largely because I've seen it myself and with people I know, but also I'm, I'm well aware that we've been there before. So the average house size in the 50s was 1,000 square feet, and it's now in the U.S., and now it's 2,600 or so. Plus, uh, we have uh, smaller families than we did then. So, you know, we have pretty much three times the space that we used to. And yet happiness levels are, are no higher. They flatline. Our environmental footprints are way larger because we use about four times the energy. Um, and we got a lot more debt. So, um, so that fact, plus the fact that many, in fact, most European countries have around 1,000 square feet. Uh, average new home uh, size kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I don't think we're often concerned about the poor Europeans and their terrible lifestyles. Um, so I just think, you know, it's it's happening now. It's happened in the past. Uh, and so I, I think it just makes sense. But, yeah, it's different strokes for different folks. And it really, you know, it depends on who you are, where you are, and what you're up to. You know, if you're a, if you're a big metal sculptor, a sculptor or something, you know, maybe you need a ginormous loft so you can do that, and that's fine. Um, you know, and and it's just it's not going to be for everyone, but I think it could be for a lot of us. And I think the what I think has happened is that for most of our evolution, which is you know deep inside us and in our reptilian brains and the like, it made more was better. It just it made sense. Like we had, used to have so little that you know if you could. Hoard food, uh, tools, I don't know, weapons, shelters, whatever, whatever, materials, that that just made sense. 
Um, and I think it really made sense until probably around the 50s when we, we just became, a number of things came together that allowed us to actually end up with more stuff than, we, than really is good for us. And so I think we're just sort of dealing with that, you know, like looking for stuff, you know, having stuff that you can't find. When you start to get to that level, likely sort of something's up. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just, uh, so we're, we're, we're not about no stuff, we're about less but better. That's, that's very clear. Like everyone needs to have stuff and we just want people to be a lot more conscious about what they bring into their lives and, and really think about quality and stuff that'll look good for a long time, that'll last a long time, that's repairable, that you're really, really happy with because um, we think that that adds to your life and, and doesn't sort of clog it up. So, you know, I, I don't really get into arguments with people if they're not into it. They'll come to it if they're into it. I just try to paint, you know, create, get the ideas out there in the world and, and get people talking about it and implementing it in their lives. And I try to build great projects that really show it and, and, and yeah, try to get media around it so that people can see it and be attracted to it instead of me sort of pushing it uh, on them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And just from personal experience, I think a lot of people, particularly in, in kind of my younger generation, get it. Uh, it resonates with them. They they kind of understand that relation. Once again, related to your story of, you know, maybe less stuff, maybe less debt, less stuff holding you down. It's going to be easier to travel. It's going to be easier to kind of have some other experiences that you'll really value. And the only times that I've, and I think, I think you just kind of hit the nail on the head there, uh, that I've, you know, had any sort of real pushback is when someone interpreted me saying, this is what I'm doing because it works for me as some sort of, you know, criticism or critique of the lifestyle that they've chosen. And, you know, maybe that was uh, me not being very uh, nuanced or mm. thoughtful with the way I explained it, but that, that obviously wasn't my intention. But I think that that's the only time I've really rubbed anyone the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people don't, you know, people don't like to be told what to do. So, you know, I think it better is just to set a great example or just, you know, do it well and and people uh, may, may be attracted to it. I mean, w what I can say is that um, not to pat myself or ourselves on the back, but um, the TED Talk that I gave, as well as the New York Times op-ed, um, the TED Talk's gotten over 3 million views. And the uh, op-ed was one of, the, one of the most, it was the most read thing on the Times for over a week straight, and probably, I think, the fourth most read in the year. And so what, what I find fascinating about that is think about the topic. I think we're just talking about like small living. You know, there's a lot sexier stuff out there in theory. But what I think it shows is that um, intuitively our society is very interested in this concept. We, we really, we deep down uh, subconsciously or consciously understand that we really have supersized ourselves. And it's just not working for us. And so there's a real desire towards uh, simplicity and so you know that's why a, a you know silly op-ed and stupid talk about some you know <laughs> small living can go large because people really uh there's desire for it for sure and it's really a light bulb moment for a lot of people where they just kind of even haven't been conscious of 
an alternative option if all they've really seen is, you know, I grew up in a, you know, a suburb where all the houses were, like you said, you know, 2,400, maybe even more feet, uh, square feet and, and all this other stuff. So I, I want to kind of switch lanes here a little bit before we got to wrap up. Um, yeah. Just before you do that, it's just one note before my old brain forgets it. The stats on garages are something like 70% of them can't fit a car in them. And I think that sort of tells it right there. Like as important as the car is to our lives, we're so good at buying stuff that we literally, most garages, close to three quarters of all garages are so crammed full of crap that we can't even get our cars into them. Yeah. And, and even probably like beyond that, I, I know the one at, uh, I, I, multi, I can think of multiple garages where the cars fit, but they're being fit into the most narrow spot because every inch of the wall has like a specialty hook that can, you know, fit four rakes instead of three and all this other stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. So you clearly through, through your story, you've told us have a proficiency for building businesses, um, given you've sold to, you're now, I believe, under your third with Life Edited, uh, this design company. And design uh, as, a, as a business is not something we've done a lot of exploring on this show. Uh, so can you speak to, you know, really at a 101 level, how a, how a design business like Life Edited works, uh, maybe who a client is, how you market yourself, and just some of, some of those basics for some of the younger, less experienced business people listening. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, our main folks, I cite architecture and product design, so I'm not, we end up doing some architecture for people, um, like we built, we designed Elliot Bisnow's house, one of the founders of Summit, up on Powder Mountain in Utah. Um, we've done some work for Jonathan Rose, sort of uh, apartment buildings, doing sort of small units in, in New York, and done some work in Brazil for also apartment buildings. So we'll do that if it's a great project and the money is right and it just you know, really appeals to us. But we don't really want to be architects. Um, we want to be real estate developers. And so that's what we've been doing. We've done a number of different projects with our partners, uh, Jason Holiday and Leah Sol Solomon out in uh, Brooklyn where we'll buy, renovate, and sell you know, you know, houses or apartments sort of in the one to four unit range. And, and we're trying to build up. So I, our vision is really to do the apartment building of the future. And we're just sort of working our way up in size. So hopefully the next thing will be like a 10 unit and we'll, and we'll go from there. Um, and the reason we want to do that is we're entrepreneurs. And so we want, we want upside and architecture is a terribly difficult uh, business. Um, and also, we just want lots of control. We want to be able to do really great, great things. Can I ask what makes it so difficult, if you, if you don't mind getting in the weeds? Um, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I think, listen, I study it and I love it. Um, it's just, particularly in the U.S., I think it's a very difficult, a very difficult profession. You end up, you know, you fight with the client, you fight with the city, you fight with the contractor. And then it's a ton of responsibility, um, a ton of work. And not very much money, uh, so it just it doesn't it doesn't calculate very well, and and you end up you know you're still you're not really in charge. It's always always clients, so um, it's just it's also can be you know 
can be unfulfilling. It's hard to get those dream clients that really allow you to, to do what you really want to kind of thing. So it's, I mean, I love architects. I have lots of architect friends and some people do great, but it takes a certain, uh, yeah, it takes a certain personality, I guess, and probably not, not one that, that I have. So yeah, so we're really, um, I know real estate developer, unfortunately has a negative tinge to it, but that's who tends to build the buildings. And, uh, so we want to be, become a, ally ourselves with the good ones out there and do some co-development but also develop our own stuff gotcha cool well that's that's immensely clarifying for me and the audience graham um and it's it's been great speaking with you i want to start wrapping things up ask you where people can connect and uh, issue that personal challenge but before we hit those two uh is there anything i just didn't give you a chance to say today that you were hoping to yeah, I mean, the one thing, I think this sort of philosophy applies everywhere. And one place it really applies is also in your digital life. And so, you know, really, um, I think we, 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 we can get overwhelmed by the amount of stuff. We can also easily get overwhelmed by the amount of media and amount of communication that happens. And, you know, I think, uh, I, I think reducing uh, and... and Getting, getting some control over your digital life is really smart too in order to make you more productive and happier and less fragmented and less overwhelmed. So um, just sort of learn, you know, mostly about the phone, learning how to sort of not, not have it ping you constantly. You know, do you really need to have every like that you get on Facebook alerting you? So really, you know, reducing the notifications and, and just, you know, trying to be more, more present and, and just, you know, less but better. Focus on focusing your time on the people that are important to you um, and, you know, and the media. It's like just sort of it's editing. Editing your life down also really applies to digital. So I really encourage people to also um, consider that. Yeah, I love it. I, I know that for me, switching off a lot of my notifications has been... Um, you know, really helpful, not, not just for my productivity, but probably for my sanity. Um, so I, I definitely reinforce that um, and, and enjoy that uh, idea. Uh, Graham, I'm sure people are fired up, want to learn more about you and Life Edited. Uh, so I want to give you a chance to give us some digital coordinates that we can direct people to. I'm sure. So lifeedited.com uh, is our website and we have a newsletter on there. We haven't been posting a lot as of late, but probably get going on that we also have instagram i think the slash life edited um there's also a twitter account which i believe is also slash life edited um i am at g hill g h i l l on twitter um and i'm mr graham hill on uh, instagram so those are, those are my sort of more personal um yeah those are that's that's us Cool. Well, we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast. You'll be able to find all those links and show notes for this in every episode of the show. Uh, but Graham, as we do at the end of every episode, I want to give you the mic one last time to issue an actual personal challenge for the audience. Cool. Thanks. Okay. Uh, let me throw a few things out there so people have something to choose from. Um, I mean, one very easy, easy, uh, fairly easy. Uh, thing to do is just to take a, a segment of your life, say it's clothing, say it's tools, say it's kitchen stuff, 
say it's sports gear. Um, then get a few boxes and go through the entirety of your stuff. And there, are, there are three piles, really. And you should have a yes pile, a maybe pile, and a no pile. Um, and so, you know, one of them is stuff that you keep. One is the stuff that you're not so sure about. And one of the stuff you're going to get rid of by either selling, giving, donating, or discarding. The maybe box is for that stuff that you're just not, you think, oh, I might just need that. Um, and so I encourage you to throw it in a box and write the date on it and then check back in three or six months. See if you can remember what's in there or if you ended up needing it. And that might allow you to let it go and put it into the uh, get rid of box. But, um, so that's one. And then just on a, a pure environmental uh, level, uh, a, a few things. Uh, one, uh, buy electric energy, uh, or sorry, not electric energy, but um, sustainable energy they're they're pretty much in every single state um, and probably many other countries as well now um, you can buy sustainable energy it often is the same less a little bit more all around the same amount switching is not hard and it makes a big dif difference to your footprint and it really sends a great message and one that we want to send um, also electric cars are just getting better and better and so uh, I would highly suggest that you consider that if, if you're a person uh, who drives. And, um, and I need to get back to uh, weekday vegetarianism, which I also gave a TED talk about and I haven't been so good on for a little while due to some uh, uh, sort of health issues. But um, I want to get back to that. And it's a, a really easy program where you basically don't eat meat during the week and then eat whatever you want on the weekends. And it really cuts down your uh, intake, which is great for the planet. It's great for your health and probably great for your budget as well. Those are my many challenges for you. Choose one and go for it. I love them. And I think that, that uh, the, the eating meat is one that often gets missed in terms of environmental consciousness and awareness and doing uh, your part to reduce your footprint. That's one that uh, either, either people don't want to do or they just don't know has such an impact. So thank you for that. Thank you for your perspective that you've shared today, Graham. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. We just went deep with Graham Hill. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Hey, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you hit subscribe if you've not already done so. We have a really big episode 196 coming down the pipe that is going to change some people's lives. So you want to be subscribed so that you're sure not to miss that. Also, we've got some great episodes in our back catalog. We've already had some people from episode 185 get influenced to download Snapchat for the first time and learn more about that platform. Additionally, we have two young men trying to influence college students and help them get the most out of their degrees in episode 189. So make sure you check those out and the rest of the back catalog of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.